Welcome to Hear This From Her, a podcast where we explore entrepreneurship, financial sustainability, and economic security for every woman in Canada. I'm Sydney Clausen, and in this episode, we will hear from Monica Ameri and Nisreen Rashid about an action research project called Her Own Boss, also known as HOB or HOB. Monica and Nisreen will dive into how action research impacts women's community economic development. This is the first of two episodes about the Her Own Boss Project. Based on their research discoveries, Nisreen and Monica discuss the impact of language on Canadian newcomer women and their ability to conduct business, create relationships, and manage in a new culture. Nisreen is our focus group facilitator. She is a serial entrepreneur and a highly qualified professional with an executive MBA in entrepreneurship, a business psychology certificate, and a systematic selling strategy certificate. She brings with her more than 20 years of diverse experience. Along with facilitating the Her Own Boss focus groups, she has been mentoring HOB participants as she is bilingual in Arabic and English. Monica is our researcher. She's an urban planner by profession and PhD candidate in the Department of Geography at Carleton University. Her doctoral research lies in the geography of socio-spatial inequality in Canadian cities with a focus on housing affordability, immigrant settlement, and the everyday geographies of gender. Beyond her dissertation research, Monica has established herself as a major contributor to a number of research initiatives in Ottawa. She has been leading Ottawa's year two research activities for the HOB project. Pascal Shahab is our translator and interpreter. She is from Lebanon and a newcomer to Canada. She has a master's degree in translation and ran a successful translation business in Lebanon. She is fully trilingual, speaking Arabic, French, and English. Pascal participated in the HOB Action Project and in the focus group for this case study research. She also translated the text for these podcasts from Arabic into English and French. And it is her voice we hear telling the stories of the Arabic women in this study. This episode was recorded virtually from various places across Canada. Here is Monica, our researcher and research designer for this special case study project and podcast. Boss is an inclusive community-based action research project that involves collaboration among various researchers, MPOs, and community members. This project took place in three different cities across Canada, Vancouver, St. John's, and in Ottawa. Participants became part of several research activities, such as interview sets, focus groups, and participant observations, to help us identify the challenges and barriers that visible minority newcomer women face in attempting to set up their own business or become self-employed. Research and observations showed that while a considerable portion of visible minority newcomer women that attended and graduated from her own boss have sufficient English or French language skills, some others did not command either official language fluently enough to access and utilize existing services or start a new business or find a new job. Throughout the HOB project, we noticed that language acquisition and level of competence aggravated business challenges. Language difficulties also made it harder for some participants 
to benefit from the training sessions without the help of interpretation and translation. We also provided simultaneous translation for the research activities. But even though simultaneous interpretation was quite helpful in alleviating the language barrier, its ability was limited to only communicating verbal content. Therefore, for research purposes, the nuance is related to the fullness of meaning, impressions, participants' doubts, feelings, and body language were lost along the way. As a result, we thought of developing these two case studies to be conducted in their mother tongue language to evoke specific narratives from participants that had kind of color and clarity to our understanding of the challenges and barriers related to language, social and business capital, and how these challenges impact the participants' ability to integrate socially and emotionally in their new Canadian society. So without further ado, the Ottawa Her Own Boss team formulated three hypotheses which served as the guiding themes for these case studies. We'll talk about this hypothesis in more detail later on. Nisreen, you facilitated the focus groups in Arabic. Can you please tell us a bit about the structure of the focus groups and some general demographic characteristics of the participants? Thank you, Monica. Uh, yeah, we had a total of 12 participants. We divided them in two groups based on their language proficiency. In the first group, we had five participants with limited language proficiency. And in the second group, we had seven participants with sufficient level of English. We were interested to see if dividing the groups along these lines would, would show any differences in acquiring business knowledge or networking and building social capital in Ottawa. Each group was conducted in Arabic and it lasted about 90 minutes. So you mentioned that the focus groups were conducted in Arabic and with Arabic speaking participants. But in the Her Own Boss Ottawa project, there were many participants from everywhere, like Nigeria, China, Philippines, Mauritius, and other places. What was the rationale behind choosing only Arabic speakers for the case study? Great question. Well, the reason for choosing the Arabic-speaking participants was because they were the largest non-English-speaking cohort in the HOP Ottawa project that faced high language barriers compared to the participants of other ethnic backgrounds. The majority of these participants have been living in Canada for less than five years. During this period, they've been trying to learn the ropes of employment and self-employment while getting accustomed to the Canadian culture providing for their families and taking care of their children. And we have to mention here that they were doing all of this during a global health crisis. Now, regarding the educational background of these participants, 45% of them have a bachelor's degree. The other 45% have a master's degree and only a small portion of about 10% have either a college diploma or a high school certificate. In addition to being highly educated, 58% of these participants in these case studies had previous entrepreneurial experience. They had created their own business and became self-sustainable economically in their home countries. However, many of them, after transitioning to Canada, have found it difficult to find a job or start a business. When we asked them about their employment status, we learned that only 33% of them were able to get employed in the Canadian job market. And as we know, a new business won't generate enough money at the beginning. 
So for those participants to start a business, they need at least a part-time job. Now you might be wondering if there's a correlation between language barriers and becoming self-employed or finding a job in Canada. So Monica, from a research perspective, you mentioned that we had three hypotheses. Can you introduce the first one for us, please? This is such an essential question for a researcher, Nisreen. Thanks for bringing that forward. So our first research hypothesis is shaped to answer this question. For Arabic-speaking women wanting to be self-employed and or run a business in Ottawa, how does language competency in English and or French affect their ability to gain business knowledge, run a business in Ottawa? How does the research shed light on this question? So our research findings have shown that language barriers posed moderate to high challenges for the participants. The participants stressed the importance of language and how not being able to fluently speak one of the official languages acted as a key barrier to integrating, accessing services, communicating their needs to serve provide service providers, difficulty finding work, getting a degree, obtaining medical care, housing, settlement, conducting banking transactions, building social capital, and finding business-related connections and networking. I would also like to highlight that the ability to communicate fluently and effectively in one of the official languages, English or French, induced emotional burden on the participants. Oh, that's interesting. We actually had a participant in the modest language group who shared how despite the language barriers she faces, she was very self-confident and never shied away from starting conversations with other people, even while taking a bus trip, just to practice the language and overcome her language challenge. Let's hear Hiba's story. At one time, I wanted to get on the bus, and I only wanted to ask if it goes by this place. I only wanted a yes or no. People are nice, they love to chat and start a conversation. And by the end, I didn't know if it was going by that place or not. Many times I used to get on the bus and then realize I'm in a completely different direction. Then I had to get off the bus and switch to another or walk my way to my destination using Google Maps since I feel that I might switch buses without being able to reach my destination. So each day, I used to come back home and narrate to them my daily adventures with the bus. And where did he take me today? But I used to enjoy these adventures. I like the bus, honestly. I enjoyed it a lot. She loves. This was such an interesting story. I'm so glad you shared this perspective, Nisreen. So what other perspectives and possibly stories can you share with us regarding other barriers that were induced by language incompetency? Well, similar to what you've mentioned earlier that were evident in the Big Action Research Project, participants in our focus groups also mentioned their special challenges with integrating, accessing services, communicating their needs to service providers, difficulty finding a job, banking transactions, building social capital, and finding business-related networking opportunities. These were all among the main barriers that they faced because of their language incompetency. Let's hear a couple of stories here from the participants about these challenges. The first one was from Tura, who shares how language barriers made it difficult for her to communicate with bank employees. 
هلا بتمنى الواحد انه لو لو يعني اقل اقل شيء انه one wishes at least that when I want to go to a bank as when I first came and wanted to open a bank account they I mean the bank are supposed to have a translator this would be the minimum expected or when I want to apply for a personal document in service Ontario I wish they had a translator this is the least that could be done But unfortunately, until now, you go there and they insult you by saying, you don't understand. This is the only thing I wish was available. That must have been a very uncomfortable experience for her. Yeah, for sure. And you can hear in her voice how she felt during that experience. Now let's listen to Fatima. She shares how language barriers not only made it difficult for her to find a job in the Canadian market, but also to integrate into the society. Oh, and I should mention here that Fatima is fluent in one of the official languages, which is French. As you know, depending where you live in Canada, this might not be enough to start and build a business. Let's listen to what she said. I think that almost all of the problems I encounter in Canada are because of the language. Even when it comes to finding a job, it wouldn't be enough to speak one language. You should speak in English too. It's a requirement. You have the skills, but you are limited because of the language. With the knowledge that you have, there would be no problem. You might be able to work on yourself and improve later on, but it would be so hard to find that first job opportunity. In addition, one might not feel integrated in this society. Integration is indeed a big problem. We always try to hang around people who belong to the same community or speak the same language so we can feel that we are living our life. But in reality, when you are all by yourself doing an honest self-talk, you feel that you're making a mistake. You're not integrated. And when people try to talk to you, they keep it short. And when it's concise, they close the door to any further communication. Another participant shares how her clothing and hijab identified her as a Muslim and made it harder for her to have conversations and engage freely with others. She said she needed to be extra careful before starting conversations. The problem with English is that we feel stuck sometimes. And the issue with integration in the society isn't only related to the language, but also to us as Muslim ladies wearing a veil. We feel that we should always convey a good image of ourselves. We are not who you think we are. So if you can't even speak the language, you won't be able to convey anything. We will still be in a vicious circle. For example, they think that we have less financial resources compared to others just because of the veil and the language. Even if they don't say it, it shows in their looks. These are all important highlights and stories that make me think about a specific question for you, Nisreen. During the focus groups, did the participants share that they experienced the same level of language barrier while speaking to different people? 
or was the language barriers more highlighted when participants had conversations with government employees or service providers? I'm very happy you asked this question, Monica. We actually did a small activity during the case studies to see if there were any differences in their language challenges based on whom they were speaking to about their business. So to look more deeply at this aspect of the language challenge, we asked participants how they would feel if they had to have a conversation in English or French with the city of Ottawa, with a customer and with a supplier. That's so interesting. So how did the participants respond to that? What was really interesting to hear was that in both groups, participants felt most comfortable speaking to the city of Ottawa. And that was because they would prepare their questions ahead of time. But they also mentioned that most people who work in the city of Ottawa are used to speaking to people with poor English. So they would speak clearly and slowly. When it comes to speaking with a customer or a supplier, it was difficult for the participants in the lower English level group to have conversations. They felt that they have to improvise and think about specific vocabulary on the spot. Here's what one of the participants says about that. When I quote a customer or a supplier, I try to limit what I need to say as much as possible because they get into so much details. When you talk to a government authority, there are particular things point to talk about. But when you talk to a customer or supplier, he'll elaborate more and talk about so many things I'm not prepared to talk about. And sometimes I don't find the right words. And afterwards, I say to myself, if I used this word when talking to him, I would have been able to explain to him. But on the spot, I can't find it, which doesn't help me. So I try to avoid that. I try to be concise as much as possible and tackle particular things. One, two, three, and nothing more. This is very interesting. Why not expect that talking to the city of Ottawa or other government institutions would be significantly harder compared to speaking to customers? But most of our participants found it easier to have a conversation about a regulatory matter with the city than to speak with a customer about business. Despite that, the case study also showed, and what was really nice to hear, that many participants, regardless of their language skills, don't shy away from hard conversations. They just get prepared and handle them quite nicely. Yes, and some other participants prefer to rely on help from other family members like husbands and children to make these phone calls for them. I am so glad that these women have support from their families. So from your observations, Nisreen, do you think that there was a difference between participants in both focus groups in how they felt about having a conversation in either of the official languages with the city of Ottawa, a supplier or a customer? Or was it just the same? Well, each participant is unique in their own way, and there's no definite answer for this question. However, I can say that yes, the participants with little to no language barriers found it much easier to have business-related conversations with the city of Ottawa, and it was relatively easy for them to speak with customers and suppliers, unlike the woman in the modest language group. Thanks, Nisreen. I'm sure that the language proficiency also impacts their confidence levels and their ability to build strong social ties with people outside of their household, 
It is clear from the participant stories and your observations that language barriers are really bothersome for the participants. Did they mention any of the tools or the support systems that they rely on to close these language gaps? Yes, we also discussed this broadly during the case study focus groups. Some of the participants mentioned that they tried to close these gaps by practicing with native speakers and by attending other events that would encourage them to communicate in English or French. Others mentioned that they tried to improve their language comprehension levels by watching programs with French or English subtitles. There were few others who relied on the help of their children or other family members, and even Google Translate to bridge the gap in their language and have conversations with English speakers. And some of them stopped overthinking the need to speak the language like a, a native speaker. They just focused on the positive inputs of these conversations without shying away. Now, that's a great way to approach this, right? So glad to hear that there are participants that have this mindset and don't surrender in front of these kinds of barriers. Instead, they chase their insecurities and strengthen their language skills. This is amazing. Exactly. Let's hear how Pascal and Thura reinforce all the things we've been talking about. They tell us how they master the language by practicing and making mistakes and how this was one of the best tools that have helped them. Why are we only hard on ourselves thinking that we are all coming from an Arab society and we would love to learn English, but we are making mistakes? Imagine them trying to learn Arabic. Would they be able to speak Arabic as we do? So let us be self-confident and work on improving ourselves. And as I said, the Canadian society is based on immigrants. So it's expected from us not to be as fluent in English as they are. So we shouldn't let this affect our self-confidence, but try to speak in English as much as we can. Because if we don't and we stay shy, we wouldn't improve. The secret to improving ourselves is to speak, make mistakes, and people correct us. And this is how we learn. Now let's hear from Thurah. I expect that if we try to be around people and talk to them, for example, when I used to go pick up my kids from the school bus, there would be a Canadian woman waiting there too. So I would try to talk to her. I wait with her and try to discuss general topics. Once she even told me that she's going to her sister's wedding. But sadly, COVID blew out all our hopes. So if we are more courageous and really try to talk to people, I expect that we would gain a lot. Like I said before, participants overcome language barriers in different ways, including the help of children, husband or other, other family members. Here is what Hepa shares now. My husband would most probably be next to me, or he would be the one talking on the phone. Since even if I know what to say, I would be afraid that they might respond and tell me something I don't understand in context. And I say okay, or yes, or no to something, and it backfires on me. 
So until now, I honestly don't have the confidence to talk to government authorities or any other official authority which might hold me accountable or responsible for something. I can't risk it and say yes, I'll make that phone call as if it was an ordinary call. These are very important insights. Our research for the entire Her Own Boss project also complements the findings of these case studies regarding the tools to overcome language barriers. During the research activities, participants mentioned that taking language courses, practicing with native speakers, interacting with service providers during the Her Own Boss project training sessions, attending other events, that would encourage them to communicate in English and receiving help from family members, neighbors, friends, or digital translating services such as Google Translate were among the main routes they followed to overcome the language barriers. Yes, it's a good reminder that those participants are not helpless. They are so creative in finding ways to improve their language skills. After listening to what you've mentioned, I also remembered a very interesting idea that one of the participants shared with us. She said that if she was able to volunteer for nonprofits in Canada, this would help her learn more and practice the language and get more familiar with the culture and even widen her social and business network. Let's hear that story from her. I suggest if the government would listen to me, she loves. I would suggest something, that volunteering be imposed on every immigrant who comes to Canada. So he does volunteer work in a place where they speak in English, since improving our English language skills doesn't happen through studying. I am 100% sure of that. It happens by practice. Just as Thura studied in, a, in Algonquin College, and I did as well, I would get an A+, and still don't speak English pretty well. This is a problem. Practicing English is a solution. It should be imposed on any immigrant who comes to Canada at least one per couple, if not both, whether the husband or the wife be bound to get in touch with people who speak in English for a minimum of six months. This way, the government would not incur any losses, but on the contrary, people would be participating in useful activities and they will benefit from that. They'll get to speak the language. Wonderful recommendation. It's so good to see that the participants not only have identified their language gaps, but they have also come up with ways to work around their modest language levels. And other participants have even raised this to another scale by thinking about and recommending policy applications at a governmental level. For sure, some participants receive support from family and friends, just like as Nasreen mentioned, to overcome these barriers, not only in their daily lives, but also throughout their business journeys. We may wrap up by saying that the choices participants make about how to solve their language challenges are closely connected to their level of proficiency. The important thing is to keep challenging yourself and try not to get stuck. On the other hand, the impact of language acquisition on business growth is such a rich area of study and more research needs to be conducted. But this is a wonderful peek into the topic and we hope that sharing aspects of our research in this way attracts the attention of other working in the field.
That was Monica and Nisreen. Stay up to date on our social media for Her Own Boss Part 2. Thanks for listening to Hear This From Her. I'm Sydney Clawson, producer of the Hear This From Her series. Our show theme is from Ixen, and the Arabic song you heard was sung by Marcel. She is a singer, entrepreneur, and was also one of the participants in the Her Own Boss focus groups. Thank you, Marcel, for sharing your talent with us. A special thanks to the participants in the Hob case study for sharing their stories. And thank you to Monica and Nisreen for their keen insights into language and business networking. We are grateful for the support of Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship Canada, Racialized Newcomer Women Pilot, for funding this episode. And thank you to the Women's Economic Council for initiating and developing this project with me. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear more about advancing women's community economic development and improving the lives of women, their families, and communities. You can learn more about the Women's Economic Council on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or check out their website at womenseconomiccouncil.ca to learn more about women's economic futures in Canada.